So I'm looking at all these news stories that are in front of me. They are ridiculous. You can't make this stuff up. It is insane. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. So welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Yeah, the voice is still just a little bit raspy, but it is getting better. And so I thank you for all your prayers and support. I remember they told me it could take six, seven weeks before the voice fully recovers from being irritated during the last surgery, which was just a month ago. And so we've come a long way in this month, and so many things have happened. I'll tell you about in just a couple of minutes. But I'm looking at some of the news stories I've been reading this week. And I haven't had a chance to share all of them. But I want to share a couple just to kind of give you a a feel of where we're going. If somebody had said some of this stuff 10 years ago, 20 years ago, forget 50 years ago, you would have thought these people were crazy. And you would be correct. They are. They're either crazy or they have a mental illness or something even worse. This White House in the United States, and I and I can assure you that it's no different. It's no different in Canada or the United Kingdom or any of these woke, weird Western nations that have adopted insanity, things that are unscientific, things that are foolishness, things that are just bizarre is now being made normal. I can remember the idea, a bizarre world. We're living in this bizarre world. How did this ever happen? How did we get to this point where we are accepting craziness as normal? First story in front of me, and this happened this past week at the White House. There was a ceremony that only had a specific news pool allowed in. It was streamed. You could watch it if you wanted to. And it was for International Women's Day. The event was hosted by Jill Biden, First Lady, United States. And critics are looking at this and saying they're diminishing women by what happened at that event. Now, from what I'm understanding, there is 11 women who were honored from all over the world. But one of the women that were honored is a transgender. In other words, a man who thinks he's a woman. Goes by the name of Alba Ruda. And that individual serves as Argentina's special envoy for sexual orientation and gender identity. And this this man, once again, this is a biological man, was presented with an International Woman of the Courage Award at the ceremony hosted by the First Lady. And, of course, another complete moron, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, who's going to get us into World War III. There's no doubt in my mind. He's pushing us to World War III with both Russia and China. 
And the biggest thing they got to worry about is giving a woman's award to a man. Ruta was welcomed to, to the stage by United States Deputy Secretary of Defense. Oh, come on. Kathleen Hicks, once again. So I'm looking at this picture of this individual standing there with the First Lady and also with Secretary of State Antony Blinken. And she looks more like a man than Antony Blinken does. And this was the 17th Annual International Woman of Courage Award, and it was held at the White House. I, I'm having a hard time understanding when did our, our human biology get so distorted and mixed up? Listen to me carefully. When did it become apparent that, the, that so many people, such a massive number of people, are in the wrong body? Apparently, we're being told now by the reprobates in charge of medicine of all things... These evil doctors that are butchering children need to be taken out of the medical profession and potentially put in prison for what they're doing. We're being given this line of garbage that these transgendered individuals know they're in the wrong body when they're in the womb. Well, if that is true, then how dare you abort one? Explain that that it's okay to abort a transgender in the womb because if, they, if they're aware they're in the wrong body. So I'm looking at this individual from Argentina and it's a guy with long hair wearing kind of this uh, shawl or something in the transgender colors of pastel pink and pastel blue. When did transgenderism become a thing? And I don't want to hear the lies and the nonsense. Oh, it's been a problem for millions of years. No, it hasn't. It's a problem we have created. It is a mental illness or a distortion or propaganda or grooming, you name it, whatever it is. You've got elementary school teachers, and I've mentioned this on the program before a number of times, that try to work on children as young as preschool and kindergarten, first and second grade, to convince them they may be in the wrong body, and I will help you make the transition to where you belong. This is insanity. This is demonic. This is evil in its purest form. Satan's mission in this world is to destroy, to distort, to be a mockery unto God, and to ruin God's creation. And the, the administration in Washington, D.C., at the White House, is on board. You know... I don't want to get into this, and I'm not going to get into any discussion about certain theology, so to speak. I'm not going to get in there today. And I'm not going to even engage a discussion by email. I just want to say something and be very clear about it. Supposedly, 
and I can't vouch for this because of the so-called Pope they have now in the Vatican. I think he's a communist. I think he's dangerous, and I think that he's an ungodly man. That's my opinion. But the Roman Catholic Church has always been a pro-life, anti-abortion church body. Believing, correctly I might add, as the Bible teaches, life begins at conception. The Bible says, I knew you in the womb as you were being formed. And my hand was upon you. So yes, God understands that you were a person at conception. Now, Joe Biden, former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and so many others who claim to be Roman Catholic that happen to be Democrats are willing to spend U.S. taxpayer money to promote abortion, which is an abomination. It's murder. It's sin. It is corrupt. It is a stench before an almighty God. And somehow they believe that when they die, some guy with a black shirt and white collar is going to throw some holy water on them and push their sorry beings into heaven or purgatory, whatever. I don't care if Joe Biden has a little plastic rosary in his pocket. It's all phony. Mr. Biden... Your actions betray you. You are not a part of Christ's kingdom. The things your administration is promoting, it is that is being pushed, that is being taught in our schools, being legislated against our will, is demonic and evil. And you, Mr. Biden... You, Mr. Biden, are an agent of Satan himself in all that you are doing to this nation. You're a liar. You're a thief. You're corrupt to the core, and you don't care. But I'm a good Catholic with a rosary in my pocket. That rosary will melt and burn in hell with you if you do not repent. Truth is a commodity that is despised in Western governments today. This week we've learned that the January 6th committee here in the United States was a sham, a phony, a fake, and a farce. A bunch of filthy liars pretending this big insurrection. Hiring Hollywood producers to produce cherry-picked video. And all the video coming out Betrays them. Look, these are the same clowns that claim five people were killed by Trump supporters. Nobody was killed by Trump supporters. Zero. The only person that died was Ashley Babbitt at the hands of a corrupt, evil Capitol policeman who shot an unarmed woman that posed no threat. The other officer that died, died of a stroke a day or so later. He was a ticking time bomb. And he was just fine that afternoon. The video proves it. It proves that everybody on that January 6th committee were liars, fakes, and frauds. 
Two of them are Republicans. Thank the Lord they're gone. But the Democrats that remain should be held in contempt. They are in contempt of the Constitution. They are in contempt of truth. Chuck Schumer demanding that the videos can't be released shows he's a partisan hack. Anything conservative is hated by the left. People of faith are hated by the left. The FBI comes after Christians today in ways we never would have dreamed possible just a decade ago. My faith is in Jesus Christ. My only hope is found in him. I'm never going to find hope in our government. I know that I've said it before. Listen to me carefully. Satan and his hordes of demons in this nation and those that have been co-opted in education and government all over. Like this silly show at the White House, giving an award to a guy, calling him a, a courageous woman. It's a lie. He's a man. You can look at him. He's a man. He's no woman. He's more, like I say, Blinken looks more like a girl than he, this, this guy does. And yet we're supposed to believe that men can compete in women's sports now. And it's all good. This is delusion of the highest order. My faith, as I said, is in Jesus Christ, not this government. This government has been co-opted by literally demons. Demons from the pits of hell. We're never going to fix this nation at the ballot box. It can't be done. I believe we're too far gone. Seriously, I believe we're too far gone. Satan takes two, three, even four steps forward toward his destruction. And we as Christians are lucky to get one, maybe two back every once in a blue moon. And we think we have a great victory. But overall, in the past 25 years, has the world become more Christian? Is the United States more godly? Of course not. And it will continue its deterioration as it slips into Gomorrah and God's judgment. This week, my wife and I have been working at a building not far from her home. It's a church building. I am doing physical labor that I haven't done in years, and I feel great. My health is better than it's been. The voice will come back. I just gotta, I need to take about a week off from this program. If I could, I would, trust me, and get my voice back stronger and take that time to work on this church building. It'll provide a small congregation, a nice building to worship in, but it also will become a place where I can put a worship service on video, on radio, an extended congregation to keep us together. Remember, the pandemic shut us down once before. Don't forget, they can do it again, and they're planning on it already. 15-minute cities, it's coming. And that's why I've taken on this particular project. I'm a pastor at heart. And a lot of you enjoy this program the way that I do it, but I need to spend more time teaching, 
the Word of God, empowering Christians to do their part, to be good laborers in the harvest. Right now, I need your help to expand this radio program, add maybe a station or two, maybe another couple of airings, and also to complete this church project. Now, several people have been very generous to help us. My wife and I are also putting in our own personal resources. But there's only so much that we can do with what we have. And I'm praying that maybe God will reach out to you. If you'll help this ministry, you can go to the website. You can support us from there, truththenumber2ponder.com. Or make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. That's 24319. Once again, go to the website, truththenumber2ponder.com. You can find ways to support us from there or mail a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The Agag Principle. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. There was an evil king named Agag. King Saul of Israel was told to slay him and his family. Saul decided not to. And to use King Agag and his possessions to his own advantage. It was this sin that sealed King Saul's downfall. But why was this important? Or even why was it right to slay Agag and his sons? Well, the answer comes centuries later. The Jews are in Persia. A man named Haman rises to power. He comes up with a plan to exterminate the Jewish people. Haman was an Agagite, a descendant of Agag. This is the Agag principle, something crucial to learn. It's this. When you deal with evil or sin, you cannot let even a little get through. If you compromise with evil, the evil won't stop there. You compromise with sin, the sin's not going to stop. It's not going to be content. It's going to return and worse. Give it an inch, it'll take a mile. Do not negotiate with it. Don't make deals with it. Don't coexist with it. Don't do anything with it except destroy it. The only way to deal with sin is to destroy it. The only way to oppose it is total war. No prisoners. The only way to sin is all the way. There's probably an agog in your life. Not a person, a sin. Something or something that's not right. A sin, an evil, and compromise. Stop negotiating with it. Stop giving it room. Stop allowing it. Stop living with it. You cannot let that agog go or it will ultimately seek to destroy everything you have. That agog has no business in your life. The sooner you get it out, the better. Total war, no prisoners. Give Agag the boot. Ask for the Agag secret. Now the free gift for you. The most incredible mystery of the temple doors, long hidden, now and sapphires, guaranteed to give you the power of living a victorious life in God. All free. How do you get these gifts? Free. Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua. And you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YES-1. 
H-U-A-1. Now, my friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose, to be a blessing. So I invite you to join me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of this world, salvation to five continents with over a billion people. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You literally can be responsible for blanketing the earth for 15 minutes of the gospel around the globe. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, you can write me direct. Just write to the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, give Agag the boot, my friend. Shalom in Messiah Adon Olam, the Lord of all. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to part two of Truth to Ponder for this weekend edition. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. This world is truly in a deep world of hurt. We're heading toward a judgment day and and many people just don't see it. They're blinded. The things of God are no longer important. He's been cursed, mocked, pushed aside. Many that claim to know Christ really don't know him at all. I'll get into this maybe one day next week. I don't have time to do it right now. But are you a child of the King? Are you really one of His? Do you really know Him as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you know that you know that you have security when that time comes and your eyes close in death that the next thing you will see is being face-to-face with Christ your Savior. I know a lot of people will say things like, well, I hope I'd will. Maybe if I live a good life. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not a. It's not like, well, I hope I'm good enough. No, you're never good enough. We are made good enough by the merits of Christ. Several years back, church in Florida had a chance to speak And we kind of touched on that. You know, in many parts of the world, becoming a Christian can get you killed. Here in America, you might get ridiculed, but you're not going to get killed yet. But that'll change. Mark my words. And I shared a message about knowing that you know. Maybe God is speaking to your heart. Maybe there are some things you need to take care of within your own life. And maybe this message you're about to hear will help you and encourage you in your walk and become a game changer for you. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning with the thoughts that you have placed upon my heart, I pray that your Holy Spirit empower me to say all that you would have me to say, that your word be multiplied and be blessed as it goes through this place. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. I read a story this morning that someone shared that really fits where this message is going to go today. It is a story about a Muslim girl living in a country in Africa that is Muslim-dominated. And as a young 
child entering toward her teenage years, she was so devout and had such a hatred for Christians that she would steal Bibles to destroy them whenever she had the chance. She would do anything to make a Christian's life miserable because she thought she was doing an honorable service to her God. She went on to high school, went on to the university, graduated, got a very prestigious job with the Radio and Television Commission of her nation, married into a prominent family, and everything was great. She was a true follower of her God and prophet and had this despising notion about Christians as the infidel. She recounts a story one night in their bedroom, she and her husband. There was this sudden wind and noise and clamor. And she heard, literally, the voice of the Lord call out to her. Her husband never heard a sound, but she was shaken to the core. She tried to understand what just happened. The husband's going, I didn't hear anything. Go back to bed. She tried to understand what she knew she heard, felt, and saw. This was on a Friday after Friday prayers. Saturday, she kept thinking about this, and on Sunday, she figured a way to sneak out and go to church. Well, that was a mistake. Her husband beat her for even going to a church when he found out. But she ended up giving her life to the Lord because of this encounter. And for the next many years, I'm not going to go into all the detail, the suffering she went through, the beating she went through, being put in jail, being divorced, being chased down, being threatened to be killed, became her life. She operates a ministry now for those that are exiting the Muslim faith as they become believers in Jesus Christ and their lives are under peril and threat each and every day. And it's not just limited to Islamic religions. There are others that are equally as hated toward, or hateful toward Christians. Early in my ministry, I was, before I took a church in Florida, I had a mission church in North Carolina. I actually had two. I would do one early and then one a little later. And when we opened our doors of this mission church north of Charlotte and Salisbury, I had this one lady come to church one day. She was, shall we say, a very lapsed Episcopalian. And she had heard about this church that used the old prayer book, and she, she really felt she needed to do something in her life, and so she decided to come. Now, in her story, she was born and raised in, in the United States, and she had married a guy from India, 
when she was abroad, who is a devout Hindu. And they now live together in Salisbury, have been married for many, many years. And she, because of him being a Hindu, just kind of pushed her Christianity aside, which is surprising how easy it is for Americans to do, but she did. And eventually her conscience got the better of her, so she started to come to church. He was actually a pretty nice guy about it. And he started to show up with her just to be nice to his wife. One day after the service, he wanted to talk to me for a few minutes. And he asked me this pointed question, what must I do to be saved? The message had clicked. And I told him how easy it was. Faith is so simple. And we discussed it. And then his wife approached me and said, my husband wants to be baptized and he wants to make a public profession of acceptance of Jesus Christ. But you realize that when he does, his family in India will disown him like he is dead. His mother and dad are still living, but he'll have a mother and dad no longer. He has brothers and sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles. As far as they're concerned, he died in America. He will have to give up his family for the cause of Christ. That very next Sunday, we had the first baptism of that church. Had the font set up in the front so everybody could see. Normally, you do it from the back as the entry, but he wanted to make and give his testimony of how over the course of a couple of months in that church, coming with his wife, who had been the errant Episcopalian who finally decided to come back to the fold, she was the one, he was the one that received the greatest benefit. Our epistle today in 1 Peter says a story that the American Christians do not want to hear. Do not talk to me about fiery trials and persecutions and things not being good. I don't want to hear any of that. I want the happy Christianity with the light show that I can go see whenever I feel it's in my time that I can, I can make the time to go see it. He's saying, do not be surprised by the fiery trials that are going to come into your life. People will hate you, despise you. There are other parts of the scripture that says people that want to kill you will think they're doing the world a great service. American Christianity is dead. American Christianity is cheap, grace, and worthless. It's all about what's in it for me. Today's megachurches are nothing more than pornographic entertainment centers with light shows. And people are being, they're in a church a mile wide and a quarter inch deep in the depth of their faith. And that's why when the trials of life hit these people, they go into panic mode. They don't even go, they don't know what to do. And their church can't help them because they're so busy with the happy gospel. We don't know how to deal with trial and tribulation. And as the pastor and leader of those churches go, so goes the church. If he fails as a leader, the church fails and shuts down. It's about the cause of Christ, not the person that's preaching. I get more and more 
upset the older I get. I promised when I was younger in my 30s I would never turn to that mean old man. But I'm doing it. And it's not so much that I'm mean. It's not so much that I'm angry. Yeah, there's a righteous anger. It's I'm looking at the world walking off a cliff blindly. We let into our homes. I said this to my wife this morning. We let into our homes the most deprived, disgusting things off cable and satellite that come into our eyes, ears, and minds. Our kids are exposed to 10, 20, 30, 60 hours a week of this stuff between their devices, the TV set, and computers. And then they're too tired to go to church on Sunday. Oh, the angels have got too much on their plate. They're being filled with the world. They're being filled with the world. The Bible says, be not of this world. Be separate from this world. What is it about the American Christian that can't understand that concept? We want to be all the worldly things we can get. We want to be accepted by the world. We're willing to forsake a church on a Sunday morning to do something worldly. It's not number one. If, if Christ isn't number one, he's nothing. If Christ is not number one in your life, he has no part of your life. This is the problem with the American church. We compartmentalize our lives in such a way <laughs> that, well, we put church in that little box right there, and we can't talk about that. We might offend somebody. There's a great hymn I remember as a child. Jesus, and it shall ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee. But how many people that claim the name of Christ are ashamed of Christ? How many people, how many people would give up their relationship for Jesus Christ, so they claim to have, for a promotion, a better job or opportunity? There are a lot of them that would. I can remember, and I saw this in my own family. My grandparents were very stoic Christians that lived the faith. And I have a sister, God love her, but she's kind of, how do I put it, more into the world than, than into Christ. Hadn't been in church in decades. She and her husband have lived a very good and financially rewarded life in what they've done career-wise, that they are self-sustained. I've watched the daughters she had grow up to, they've never been involved. They know nothing about the faith. Yet, in difference to my grandparents, my sister decided because of my grandparents' insistence that the children be baptized. Now, my grandparents were getting on in age. And so it was done at their house. We had a home baptismal service. And my heart knew then that the day that they drive back to their home in Maryland, 
That's the end of it for the church. The next time my sister was in a church was 20, well, about 18 years later when I was ordained to the priesthood. Because we did that up in Maryland so my grandmother could be there. She was in her mid-90s. We moved it from Georgia to Maryland. That shows how much church life because it's inconvenient. I need my time, my space. You know, what we don't understand, if you ever read some of the early church fathers, if you read about some of the early saints of God, you know what used to get them angry? You know what angered some of the early saints? Why am I not being persecuted and martyred? Am I not good enough, Lord, to catch the attention of those and be dragged into the street for my faith? That's a far cry from where we are today. There are places in this world, I know, I do a radio show that reaches to far places around the world and I get the emails. There are places in the world that being a Christian will truly cost you. The only thing it costs you in America is your time. And we can't even give that anymore. Like I say, the American church has been deceived by the author of lies himself. That church is all about me. It's all about me. You know, when I preach here in this church, there's one thing, unless you've looked around the building, as I look out down the aisle, look at that picture in the back. Look at that picture in the back. Jesus on the cross. He gave it all for me. He loved me with a love. He loves you with a love. He wants to receive you as his own. I get so furious at the prosperity preachers that are out there. Just sow a seed in my ministry and I will bless you with a new house and a new Mercedes like I got. I am so sick of those that look at the world around them and try to follow the wave of the current of all the things going wrong in the world. They're the prophets of God, spelled P-R-O-F-I-T-S. Whatever happened to genuine faith? Whatever happened to saved by grace, by faith? Whatever happened to knowing that God can take me through the bad times instead of trying to avoid the bad times? Where did it all go? It's gone. I'm going to close with this thought. I, has anybody ever heard of what's called the Babylon Bee? Have you ever online? Anybody ever heard of that one? It's, it's, a sat, it's a Christian satire site. I love it. It is one of the funniest, well-written, and poignant little sites I've ever seen. The Babylon Bee. It's a Liberty University graduate that put this thing together. And... This gal can follow the trends in society, the church, and everything else, and she has some of the greatest articles, and they're funny. There was one that was extremely funny, but unfortunately 100% true. 
It says mainline denominations now are considered a safe space from the gospel. Like Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians. Safe place from the gospel. You don't have to worry about the gospel anymore. It's a safe place. You're not going to be having somebody preach about sin. You're not going to hear about anything bad. So they are now a safe place from the gospel. And I thought about that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And they wonder why they continue on this rapid decline. Presbyterians, once five million, down, down to two million. Lutherans, down about a million over the last 20 years. Episcopalians, about half in the last 25. Because they've cheapened the message of God, the fire and the power of God and the Holy Spirit is gone. Book of Revelation says, the lampstand may be taken. There are a lot of missing lampstands in America today. And they've replaced it with a light show. They can never have the Shekinah glory of God. In the years that I have in my life, there's a message to get out to the world. I can't reach all of it. I can't reach 10% of it. I can't even reach 1% of it. But whatever slice that God puts in front of me, I will work to reach. And that becomes job one without fail. To me, when I think of that hymn, ashamed of Jesus shall it never be, a mortal man ashamed of thee. I never want to apologize for my Christ. I never want to say, well, you know, that's just the church thing that I'm supposed to do, but you know, it's not really. What does the Bible say? If you deny me before others, I shall deny you before my Father. We forget that aspect of Scripture. But it is so important that we, the remnant of the church, can be, as St. Paul said, I joy in my sufferings. John said, I joy in my sufferings. Peter, I joy in my sufferings. They all did. And God carried them through. My middle name is Stephen, spelled like the first martyr of the church. I was actually born Robert Lee Erickson, but when I was adopted, the Robert stayed and the middle name changed. All of us had a biblical name added somewhere. And mine was Stephen. And, you know, I kept thinking, that's kind of a weird choice. You know, here's a guy that just got started as a deacon and he get, gets killed. You know, not a great ending. Why can't he be like Paul or, or John or, you know, name one of them, Barnabas, some great person that did a lot. Oh, this guy gets cut off of the knees before he gets started. But the greatest thing about Stephen, a man full of grace and full of the Holy Spirit, would not back down when given a chance. He could have saved himself like all the Christians. All the apostles that were martyred for the faith could have easily escaped death if they just said, no, Christ didn't rise from the dead. That's all I had to say. They could have been walking the face of the earth till they were old men. But they didn't. 
But as Stephen is giving up his life on this earth, he's getting that wonderful gift, the scripture says, he's already seeing into the windows of heaven. And he's full of joy and proclaiming, forgive them. Don't hold, do not hold this sin against them. As he was ushered into the presence of an almighty God. We live in a truly dangerous world. And it's time that the church recognize it's a dangerous world. It's time that we recognize that there are more important things in life than, than something on HBO, Cinemax, Netflix. It's funny how many people will make an hour available to catch a TV show that find it so inconvenient to find their way to a church. I'm as guilty as anybody in my younger years. I did it for a while, too. God got a hold of me one day. And I remember the day. I had started out this pathway in my life. As a child, I was given all the advantages of a parochial school all the way through the eighth grade. Lived in a very small community in upstate New York. We were very active in our church in Long Island, extremely active in our church. Big church. I went to church two or three times on a Sunday because I was in the choir. When I first moved to Georgia, I was still going to church. And somewhere along the way in my radio career, I was too tired one Sunday. And it was easy to sleep in. And before you know it, I found over the next, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years, I had disjointed myself conveniently from the church. It wasn't something that I just did one day. I just allowed the things of the world to take dominance in my life. And one day, maybe five, six, seven years into this, seven years into this, I woke up one night, couldn't sleep. May have been a Friday night, could have been into Saturday morning, I can't remember. But I felt this awful burden on my heart. I felt like God had just put his hand on my shoulder and was pushing down hard, shaking me. Wake up, listen to what I have to say. If anybody's ever heard my story, I was placed for adoption when I was one year of age. And I'm not sure if I've ever shared this or not with this congregation. Some of you never heard this, but I'm going to make it very brief. I was conceived in California, born in Brooklyn. That's a long way. And my mother tried to keep me for a while, but you know, the pressures in 1954, you just don't do that. And she had no way of doing it. Her father, my grandfather, was not thrilled about this idea. So there was always a problem and an angst. And when she first came back to Brooklyn before I was born, nobody cared about her because of the, that's just the way the things were in that day. And I met my biological mother, by the way, spent time with her back in the late 80s when I found her. 
And she related this story to me. She said, I was sitting in front of a house one day, feeling like it's the end of the world. What am I going to do? Nobody wants to associate with me. I have no friends. My father's angry. Nobody cares about me. And she said, I just didn't know what to do about you. And all of a sudden, this young lady appeared and sat down next to her right there in front of their brownstone house on the steps and introduced herself. And my mother says it was the strangest countenance about this person I've ever seen. She was young, very pretty, and why is she spending time with me? For the next four months, that gal moved into the house and took care of my mother, was made sure that she got to the hospital so I could be delivered in birth. Strangely, the grandfather had no trouble with her being there. And she said, after you were born, she pressured me to make sure you were baptized as soon as possible. She would not let that go. And so I went down to the Salem Danish Evangelical Lutheran Church around the corner, and we went in to talk to the guy who, by the way, I ended up talking to in 1988 in the process of trying to locate her, who said, I remember your baptism. We had a strange rule. We would never do an outside baptism. You're the only one I ever did. Something just said, I have to do it. When this person came in with your mother, I knew I had to, and I did. Did it privately the ne very next Sunday after church. Never forget that as long as I live. The day I was baptized, Lee disappeared off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. That was her name. And that was my middle name, Robert Lee Erickson. Because of this person, I really believe that where I ended up was so different than where I should have been. The intervention of God's people in somebody's life can make a difference. And in spite of my stubborn ways in my younger years, God got a hold of me and jerked me back and planted me out into a Bible college and then from a Bible college into the ministry. And in these last few years, I've been doing a lot less ministry than I should be doing. I'm busy trying to make ends meet, so things have got to change. It's welling up inside of me. I have to. I have to answer that calling. Jesus, I am not ashamed of you because you were never ashamed of me. You received me unto your own as your son as you receive all of us as your sons and daughters. Heavenly Father, may we learn the things that are important. May we put aside the things we deem urgent and rest our peace in you. For this we ask in your name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling.
tarry when Jesus is bleeding, bleeding for you. Mercies, mercies for you and for me. and tenderly Jesus is calling you to come home to be a child of the King those who are believers in Jesus Christ we are in this world but we are not of this world our hope is not found in Washington DC or in London England or in Ottawa Canada or in Paris France or wherever doesn't It's not where it's made. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. We can vote all day long in elections. 
but elections can be rigged. We've seen it. Hate to say it, but it's happened worldwide. While we live in this world, it's the things that we do for Jesus Christ that will stand for eternity. That's why I ask you, what is your relationship with him? I pray today that you, if you haven't, would say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I need to know more about you. Pray that prayer. God will hear it. If you have questions, you can send me an email, bob at truththenumber2ponder.com. Bob at truththenumber2ponder.com. The Lord's really spoken to my heart. We, We will continue to do this radio program, much of it as we have, focusing on the news and events you need to understand as we are winding down and heading toward that day of destiny with Christ's second coming. No doubt about that. But proclaiming the gospel message is now even more urgent to me than ever before. The Church Project. Find out about it at our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. Truththenumber2ponder.com. I want to add more airtime for this radio program, even put a worship service on the air. Would you help us out? I need your help more than ever before. Many generous individuals are helping. My wife and I have contributed quite a bit of our own retirement funds into this. Would you help? Make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. Zip code again, 24319. You can also support us from the website, truththenumber2ponder.com. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.